We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, so grab your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and tell your neighbor, this is going to be good. I heard this is going to be great, that's better yet. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to read the pass out of that, and then we're going to whip over to chapter 12 because uh, Paul kind of gives the intro here. Begin with verse 4, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 4, he says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by Him, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come up short no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now turn to verse there, chapter 12. Chapter 12. Notice he said uh, he was thankful to God's grace through them. And he prayed for them that they would come short in no gift. Now look what he says in chapter 12 here, beginning with verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all of these, distributing to each one individually as He wills. For as the body is one, and as many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also in Christ. Father, thank You that we are one in You. And God, I pray that You would begin to work that in our heart, in our spirit. And Lord, may that be seen and made evident at sunrise, that we are one body operating under the grace of Jesus Christ, that, Father, we are used of you in a powerful way, that, Father, St. Peter, Minnesota, America will take note that there is one body in Jesus Christ operating in the power of the Spirit that you may be glorified, and we thank you for that, and we give you the praise in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said... You may be seated. As we wrap up our series on grace, it is grace through us. Now, two weeks ago, we talked about grace, and we discovered that grace, according to Romans 5, is God extending grace to us as an offering that we would come, that we would receive forgiveness, we would receive restoration, that we could be transformed. The grace that God extended to us was favor that we could come and receive justification through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, we know that through the blood, only through the blood, can we have forgiveness of sins. Amen? In fact, next week we're going to have a special, it's going to be a special Thanksgiving. I know you're saying it's after Thanksgiving. Guess what? Thanksgiving is every day. Amen? So, next Sunday we're going to have a special Thanksgiving uh, Sunday. It's going to be great. We're going to have communion and uh, it's going to be good. We're going to be, in fact, focusing on communion because we need to focus on what Jesus did for us. Amen? And so we're, you want to be a part of that. That's going to be a good time. 
But we looked at that and understood that that was God's extension of grace, but that was not grace alone because that was the beginning. Say the beginning. Turn your neighbor and say, this is the beginning. That was the beginning of grace because grace, God's intent was that grace would touch every aspect of our life. Every aspect. Now, last week we talked about grace in strife. And we talked about how it's important to realize that God doesn't always get us out of circumstances, does He? But He says... My grace is sufficient for you. That's one of my favorite songs, Your Grace is Enough. And I just, man, every time I hear that and and can sing that, I just come alive. Yes, your grace is enough. Because I've been reminded in my life through all kinds of circumstances that His grace is enough. Amen? God's favor is more than enough. Amen? Amen? And the reality is this, is that we need to understand the power of God's grace and the effect that it has in us because it's God's grace, it's His kindness that leads us to salvation. Hallelujah! And when we blow it, and how many know that uh, we blow it from time to time? (laughs) Turn to your neighbor and say, I blow it from time to time. Now, I know some of you had shocked looks in your face and said, no, I thought they were perfect. <laughs> Anybody here shocked? <laughs> Karen was shocked just then. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're kidding. Nobody's perfect? No. In fact, the only way that we can receive forgiveness and deliverance is through Jesus Christ, the work that He did at Calvary. And the only way that we can come to even receive that is by the grace of God. Jesus warned us to be aware of Satan's plan and purpose, didn't He? And He revealed His plan for us. Look at this in John 10. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. And so it shouldn't surprise us today that Satan is out to destroy the understanding of grace. It shouldn't surprise us that he is out and he realizes that the only way that he can affect the church, the only way that he can make us of no effect is to destroy the understanding of grace. And here's what happens. When grace becomes about us, when grace becomes, it's about me, it loses its power. Now, some of you remember that last week we we said this phrase, we talked about this, in fact, it was on your notes, and I want to remind you again that our humility is God's opportunity but our pride is Satan's opportunity. That's what we're going to talk about today because, you see, the problem isn't the church receiving God's grace because we've been there, done that. The problem is allowing God's grace to flow through us. 
You see, that's where we have the problem. That becomes the big rub because a lot of the church become like a lot of the religious people in Christ's day. Did you know that we have a little Pharisee in us? Turn to your neighbor and say, you have a little Pharisee in you. There's some shocked looks again. I just saw that. Now tell them this, and you know what? You have a problem with selfishness. Tell them that. Whoa. Now, right there, I, pastor just said I was selfish. Can you believe he said that? I'm offended. I'm going to leave and never come back. There you go. There's an example of grace that we want only for ourselves. And don't allow grace to flow through us. You see, that's the tragedy. Because when someone fails, it's so easy to point your finger and say, oh, I knew they were going to mess up. You know, I saw them, yeah. They don't come to church very often and say, I knew they were going to mess up. That's not grace flowing through us, is it? It's called judgment. God hasn't called us to judge except for one thing, and that's the fruit in people's lives. Do you realize that every major revival has happened outside of the church? Do you wonder why that is? It's because the church struggles so much with allowing God's grace to flow through us. Did you realize if you do a study of revival, that when revival hit the Reformation in Europe, the church wasn't even a part of it? Do you know why? They were arguing over what color the vestment should be. Yes, true story. They were in brutal battle over what the colors of, you know, that they should wear. And it was just a fight going on. And revival happened without them. You know why? Sometimes God can't wait for the church because they're so involved with themselves. It's time for us to get over ourselves and to allow God's grace to flow through us. Can you say amen? amen? Now, here's the cool thing. And we just saw this, that God gives us hand grenades of grace, supernatural gifts, because He knows that in spite of ourselves, we struggle. And if it were up to us in the natural, we would fail every time. That's why He gives us grace, and that's why James is so powerful. I love that. He gives more grace. Are you thankful for that? Because we need it, don't we? But when does that grace come? Someone tell me, when does that grace come? When we humble ourselves. Who said that? Look at that. Hallelujah. Yes, when we humble ourselves, He gives us more grace. When we realize and say, God, this is not about me. You see, the enemy wants to turn around and make it about you. In fact, he's always whispering and saying, you know, so-and-so is talking about you. Yeah. They are. They're jealous of you. And you begin to get that. It's like, oh, yeah, I knew that. I knew I couldn't trust them. And we come to church with the chips on our shoulders. and We just kind of go, they say hi, and we go, yeah. It's like we have a spiritual gift. No, that's not a spiritual gift. <laughs> the gift of criticism is not a spiritual gift. 
Okay? The gift of defense is not a spiritual gift. They're spiritual gifts that he's listed, and that's why he listed them. Because so many times we think, oh, I'm spiritual. <laughs> no, you need God's grace. <laughs> You're not spiritual, you need God's grace. And God's grace needs to flow through us. And so I love it. And that's why I love these described as God's hand, hand grenades of grace, because it's kind of like this. We're in a spiritual warfare, are we not? Okay? And we're out there, and God sees that we're in trouble. And he goes, incoming! And he gives us hand grenades of grace that just blow up. And his supernatural power just fills the atmosphere. Hallelujah. God loves us so much, and God loves the world so much that he has given us hand grenades of grace to invade the very atmosphere we're at. And you know that uh, we see it here. In fact, if you really want to understand a, a book that really talks about grace, it's a book of Corinthians. It really does. Paul talks about it. He, he begins his letter, the first three verses, talking about grace. In fact, every letter that he starts, you notice that it has grace in it because Paul realized that if it wasn't for God's grace, where would he be? <laughs> Oops. Wow. So he understood grace. And he comes to this church, and this church is supposed to be spiritual, and they're not. I mean, you begin to read, and there's some really weird stuff happening. I mean, when you got a son sleeping with his mom, and they, I mean, it's really bad stuff, you know? And they said they were spiritual, and Paul says, that's not spiritual! Yuck! I mean, you read it, and he just gets intense about it, even to the point where he says, put them out. Because they were pretending to be spiritual, but man, they were living in immorality. And man, he gets serious about that stuff. And then you begin to read a little further, and and. They were wrapped up in, in eating meat offered to idols, and they were judging other people and going, it's meat. It doesn't matter where it comes from. It's meat. Thank God and eat it. And you begin to realize there's an intensity because this is a church. This should be the example of godliness to the area. And Paul hears this happening. He's just going, oy vey. Okay, maybe he didn't say that. Maybe he said, uh, oof -da. <laughs> But you begin to see, in fact, as he talked about communion, communion became a mess. I mean, goodness sakes. Communion was, it was a big party. <laughs> and Kenny was bringing in venison steak. Because, you know, I mean, it's venison, you know. And Tim didn't have anything except bologna. And so Tim brings the bologna, and, and, and they come in, and, and, and Kenny says, I'm sorry, but bologna's just not going to cut it for me. And so, Tim, you go over there with your bologna, and I'm, I'm, I got my steak. Okay, I'm good. And there was, there was no communion. There was nothing communion about it. There was no fellowship. And they became kind of focused on themselves, and factions started. In fact, uh, I think it's probably where 
begin to get the word clicks right there. And Paul says, should I praise you in this? I do not praise you. You begin to read that and you begin to sense that Paul is like, what is the matter with you people? You know why? Because grace became all about them. And you begin to see even in spiritual gifts, (laughs) they looked at themselves as being very spiritual. In fact, Paul had to bring correction because the gifts were in operation without grace. And look what happens when the gifts are in operation without grace. Look what he says. Did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it to you only that it reached? If anyone thinks himself be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandment of the Lord. (laughs) Did you understand that? Let me read that to you again because they're question marks. And he's not saying it like this. Or did the word of God come originally from you? No, I can imagine him writing it like this. Do you think that you came up with God's word? You invented it? What's up with you? Or is it to you only that it reached? You mean God gave you his word and nobody else has it? Really? That's what he's writing as. Because he's in disbelief that this church pretends to be spiritual. And they're not. They allowed the grace of God to be distorted and become something that was selfish, something that was about them. In fact, later on, you see that uh, it became kind of a competition. He <laughs> was like, uh, well, I got my word, and it's going to be better than so-and-so's going, I'm going to make sure I get a chance to give my word, because I'm spiritual. <laughs> Can you say spiritual? And they had the badge to wear it. It's like the humility badge, you know? As soon as you pin it on, guess what? You ain't humble anymore. (laughs) And that's what happened. It became corrupt because Satan understands the power of grace. Because when the God's grace goes out, you know what happens? People respond. People respond. And when people respond to God's grace and they ask Jesus Christ for forgiveness, you know what happens? They're delivered, they're set free. They're justified. Their sin is removed. Satan hates that. He's not about that at all. He wants us destroyed. You know why? We're created in the very image of God. So I got news to you. Satan hates you. He's out to get you. And so what he wants to do is he wants to corrupt grace. Because if grace becomes about us and we become selfish and all self-involved, then we put a sign at the door and say, Us and no more. That's what we're about. Us and no more. Now, I know you're saying, Pastor, I didn't see that sign on the door. And you better not, because if it is, I'm not coming. But that's what happens when we become so self-involved. And you know what? The grace of God, if it's not flowing through us, it becomes stagnant. You ever seen a stagnant pool? It's nasty where we lived in Illinois, we did a lot of community outreaches. And there was a park in a little town called Wilmington. Just, In fact, Wilmington, we called it the place of godlessness because it was really bad. The history of this was they're all coal mining areas, and so that was the history of the area. 
and they were called yellowhammers. Yellowhammers was a term given to people who were really messed up. Incest was what they were all about. Now, I don't even need to even go further because, I mean, just that word right there should kind of give you a picture. And so, Yellowhammers are people that were just, they were so messed up and nobody wanted to touch them. Nobody wanted to go near them. So, that was the heritage of that, that city. And so, we came in, we sensed that. I mean, you ever go into a place and you just sense spiritually that there's something just messed up about that? You ever done that? I mean, it's like, whoa. And you either want to get out of there or it's like, God, come now. <laughs> And that's what we did. We would come in and we'd actually do some research and, and find out kind of, you know, the controlling spirits of the area. And we'd just do some warfare. We'd fast and pray. Because we needed to go in prepared, understanding what we're dealing with. And then we needed to go in recognizing, God, we're going to share your love and your grace. And then things are going to blow up. <laughs> because that's not that, what they're about. But thank you, God, that's what you're about. And we just go with expectation knowing that God is just going to move in power. And so when we went there, here we are in this park. And on one side is a flowing river. In fact, there's a kind of a little dam there. It's more of a spillway. And they have signs up saying, please don't go in there because you don't realize the power of the water. And people are killed every year, usually about four to six people. Because it doesn't look, it looks kind of nice, the little water spilling over. And so they wait in the water to go fishing, and he just sucks them under the undertow, and you can't get them out. And even though the signs are, even though year after year, they have these, these pictures of kids, of teenagers, and, and even of adults. And they, they warn, they say, please don't go in the water. They do it anyway. It's like, are you kidding me? You know, I thought maybe should put pictures of these people, just kind of put pictures of them and say, hey, you know, these people aren't here because they wandered into the water. On the other side is the same river system, but it's an area river that's been cut off. And so on the one side, you just hear, I mean, you can hear the water moving. On the other side, it is stagnant. I mean, it is just still. And there's green scum just all over the top of the water. In fact, you look at it, it's like, yeah. And if you go near there, it has a smell. You know what stagnant water smells like? It's really nasty. That's what happens when grace doesn't flow through us. It becomes stagnant. And we become like that pool of water. We start smelling. In fact, people don't want to be around us because we think it, that the world revolves around us. We begin to think that, you know, we're the only one spiritual nobody else is. That's what happened in the Corinthian church. Paul had spent two and a half to three years of his life. And when he heard what was happening in the church, man, he was just grieved. And his letters, man, some parts are really, I mean, they're scathing. Because Paul was incensed that they would twist the grace of God, that they would make the grace of God about them. And I want to bring us to a place here, to chapter 12, because it's this place that he wants us to understand. And that's why we see, and it's, it's so awesome, because, you know, what the devil meant for bad, God turns on for good. Amen? And so, if there had not been a Corinthian church that had allowed grace to become so messed up, we wouldn't have this letter. So, amen. God turns 
bad things into good things. Can you say amen? amen? And so that's why we have this. And that's why it's really so important as a church we understand what these are, that we understand that these spiritual gifts are God's gifts of hand grenades to us because God wants us to go into the world. He said, go into all the world. He didn't say, stay where you are. Nowhere in Scripture does He say that. Nowhere. And so most of the time we need to ask ourselves, what part of go don't we understand? Really? Because we're called to go. And you know what? Everywhere we go, there are opportunities for us. But we get so self-involved, it's like we have our little, our little blinders on. It's like, I know I'm really aging myself here, but I got, okay, I saw pictures, okay? We didn't have these growing up. I saw pictures. My grandpa had a team of horses, and they had to put blinders on these horses. You know why? Because he's like, squirrel, whoo, you know? The horse would get distracted and start, one go this way, one go this way, and guess what? They're not pulling together, they're not going anywhere. And so they had blinders on them, so they kind of, you know, be focused. We've got spiritual blinders on us. We get so focused on things, it's like, well, I got this to do, I got this to do. No, 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 no. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. You belong to Jesus. The grace of God is not for you, so you can stay there and say, oh, praise God, I'm saved. No, it's that God's grace would flow through you. Amen. I want you to understand this. God wants his grace flowing through you. And so this is why he said, and he makes it very serious. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. Don't be ignorant. Understand what they are. Now notice that when he describes them, that they're really broken up into three categories. There's knowledge gifts, there's power gifts, and there's vocal gifts. Now here's the importance of them. He starts out and says, the Spirit gives a word of wisdom. Now, let me just give you a, just a real quick definition of word of wisdom. A word of wisdom is direction from God for a specific situation. Now, let me give you an example. And this is a cool example because Christmas is coming up. Joseph didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to do. Mary and the baby Jesus was threatened. Their life was threatened. They were going to die because Herod was out to kill him. He didn't know what to do. So look at this. Joseph, not knowing what to do to protect his wife Mary and the Christ child until God gave him a word of wisdom to go to Egypt. You can see it in Matthew chapter 2. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until you bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Can you say amen? amen. Guess what? It is not just for the Bible. God has words of wisdom for us today. In fact, he tells us in James, if you lack wisdom, ask, and he will give it what? Liberally. Hallelujah. It's a hand grenade of grace. You need wisdom? You need direction of God for a situation? God says, incoming. Because it's God's grace flowing through you. You see, God wants the atmosphere around you charged with the Holy Spirit so that people understand His plan for their life. Now, remember, Jesus told us what His plan was. The plan of the enemy is to do what? He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. What's Jesus' plan? Give us life and more abundantly. God wants Jesus' plan he wants it demonstrated through us. He wants it evident through us. In fact, coming up, church, and 
get ready. This, this is going to be a great. It's going to be the whole month of April. We're going to be involved in, in something that's called Be the Message. Because a lot of people are tired of hearing a sermon and they want to see one. Did you hear me? And so we're going to be involved. And it's going to be a whole church thing. We're going to be doing uh, special sermons on Sunday. We're going to be doing small groups. We're going to be in small groups reaching out because it's time as a church that we are the message. Amen. St. Peter needs to see that we're the message. Mankato needs to see that we're the message. I can go on because I was like 13 different cities and communities represented here. So they need to see that we're the message. Next, he says, by the same spirit, a word of knowledge. Now, this is cool, and this, this, this is one of those that is so awesome. It's Jesus at the well. Jesus told the Samaritan woman her past through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is so cool. In fact, she comes there and, you know, and, and he says, uh, could you give me a drink of water? And she said, well, you know, you have nothing there. What, what are you talking about, you know? And he said, you know, if you had known, you'd have asked me for water and I'd give you living water. And she kind of, you know, he turned the conversation to living water rather than just physical water. And she gets kind of, uh, well, then she gets spiritual and says, well, you know, you Jerusalem's claim that uh, we have to go to Jerusalem to worship, but our fathers say that we can go to there to worship. And Jesus said, uh, well, true worshipers worship the Father and Spirit and truth. And then he said, go tell your husband. And she goes, well, I don't have a husband. <laughs> and this is cool. Here's what Jesus says. For you've had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. <laughs> Woo. All of a sudden, it's like, boom, God reads her mail. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? All of a sudden, this lady's going, what? <laughs> and what happens? She runs back to the village and says, you got to come and hear this guy. He knows everything I ever did. <laughs> Instead of going, I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you pointed that out. I'm so offended. She just comes unglued and tells the entire town, you've got to come and meet this guy. He, he knows everything I ever did. <laughs> They're probably going, yeah, we know too. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? God gives a word of knowledge. And he does it so that she understands that there's a God that loves her, that knows her, and loves her anyway. These are cool. These have happened many times that I'm praying for people. I pray for somebody, and they, stay, and they stop and said, how'd you, uh, I needed to pray for that. How'd you know that? And I said, because God loves you so much, he let me in on that, so that you know that he cares about you. It's called a hand grenade of grace. I've been accused of installing cameras in people's homes. Man, you saw what happened this week in my house. Or you wouldn't have preached about that. Where'd you put that camera? Do you have nanny cams? Well, look at me. I wouldn't know I'd have been out to hook it up. It's God. Handgrains of grace, words of knowledge, knowledge that you couldn't know outside of God. He gives you those. Why? 
so that his glory can be seen, his grace can flow through you. They can begin to see that, you know what? God knows them, and God makes it so personal. Isn't that awesome? That's how good God is. Then discernment, and, and we see it so much in the book of Acts, especially here at Paul. Paul discerns that this woman was demon-possessed in Acts chapter 16. It says, Paul, greatly annoyed. <laughs> Paul's just, he just, he's kind of walking along, he's just like, oh, I'm done with this. In the name of Jesus, demon, get out of her. I mean, he just, he's ticked off. I mean, he's just upset. <laughs> I love this. Greatly annoyed. <laughs> That's one of those terms that they just kind of make it nice. Great, no, he was just mad. He was ticked off. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was done with this woman. She's falling around. These men are here to tell you the way of the Lord. And just Paul's like, okay, I've had enough. That's it. You, demon, out of her. Boom. He was done. In fact, what happened? You read it here. It's so cool. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Boom. God's hand in his grace right there. Boom. Isn't that awesome? Word of discernment. You see, God wants us to give us discernment in situations. And that's why we prayed for that when we went into Wilmington. We prayed any place we went. We prayed, God, we need discernment. We need to know what's going on here. Because the enemy tries to try to do end around us, doesn't he? The enemy wants to get us so stirred up and just so nervous and so intimidated. You see it in the examples in, in the book of Samuel. They had a, a place called the Valley of Rephium. It's called the Valley of Intimidation. The Philistines would go there because they knew it was a place that Israelites would be intimidated. So they'd go there and say, hey, let's go to the place of intimidation. They'll be afraid of us. Woo. It's like, Really? But when you walk in discernment, the enemy can't do that. God's hand hands of grace. Here you go, incoming. That's God. Why? He wants his grace flowing through us. It's his purpose. Move on here because it's taking too long. Next, we have the power gifts. I love the power gifts. Peter's using the gift of healing. As a lame man walks. Now, you, you know this. Acts chapter 3, you've heard this prayer, read it many times. And he took him with the right hand and lifted him up, and, and immediately his feet and ankles and bones received strength. And it says, the man went walking and leaping and praising God. You, you know it. Here Peter is walking along, going to prayer, and the guy's, you know, begging. He's been there every day. Peter, it wasn't the first time Peter saw him. But Peter just kind of, you know, just one of those things, you know. All of a sudden, God says, okay, time for a hand grenade. Incoming. And Peter says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Boom. He's healed. Now, who received the gift of healing? Did Peter? No. <laughs> the lame man did. We get this turned around, and what we do is this. We become like a Peter and say, oh, God's given me the gift of healing. No, he hasn't. If you were healed, praise God, he did. But the Holy Spirit gives severally as he will. Don't claim ownership. It's God's hand, it's God's hand grenades of grace. Now, if you want a loaded grenade and just kind of carry it on with you, go for it. But <laughs> you know what? The Holy Spirit gives severally as he will. Why? Because the Holy Spirit knows what's needed at the time. Can you say amen? And you see, that's what happens. We allow it to get all stirred up and we allow it to become but us. I'm so spiritual. No, you're not. 
God is. We're messed up, but he loves us anyway, and he wants his grace flowing through us. Amen? Let me continue here. Next, a gift of miracle. Here Jesus is feeding 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Now, scripturally it says, and, and we see this, that they counted men. And so it said about 5,000 men. So if you figure that their wives and their kids are with them, there are probably well over ten to 15,000 people. And Jesus says, hey, feed them. They're hungry. And they're looking at Jesus going, uh, with what? <laughs> well, what do you got? We got a little boy that's got a little bit of lunch. That'll work. <laughs> it's awesome. Hangers of grace. <laughs> Blows up and they start breaking bread. And what happens? Twelve baskets full are left. Everybody's full. 15,000 people have eaten and they're full. We have some left. Over a little boy's lunch? Can you say supernatural? <laughs> that's God. Why? Because he wants his grace to flow through us. There are some examples throughout Scripture. You need to find them. Go and do a study and begin writing down all the gifts of the Spirit you see. Because guess what? God is about blowing up the atmosphere everywhere so that people know that He loves them. That's who God is. And guess what? God wants to use you. Again, running out of time. i got to move on here. i got so many examples I could give you. I mean, let me give you this one. This is so cool. I know I'm running out of time here, but... We're in India, and it's just one of those nights where the bugs are so thick, and we're, you know, singing. In fact, the singers were going, because these little black little bugs were just everywhere, so thick, that when people breathed in, they just, we had a lady in our team, and that she put a lot of hairspray, and I could tell that because her hair became black. Because <laughs> all these bugs just lit in her hair, and they stuck. And I looked and was like, whoa, her hair is turning color right in front of me. <laughs> that was funny. I got the giggles because it just was hilarious. She didn't know it. And, it just <laughs> and, and we're thinking, God, how are we going to do anything? I mean, these, these little bugs were so thick, like little tiny little black beetles, and they're flying everywhere. And so I'm just, I'm standing there going, God, this is not you because this is not a good thing. I mean, people were getting annoyed and leaving, and I'm thinking, God, how can anything happen? And so we're just, we started praying, God, move by the Spirit of God. Blow, wind blow. And no more just said that. Just a desperate prayer. Then a wind comes. I mean, it was dead still. And a wind comes, and all of a sudden the bugs are gone like that. And I'm going, cool. God, you are so awesome. Right there, a working of miracle, supernatural. We saw that happen time and time again. You see, God is up to good, and God wants his grace to flow through us. And many times when we're in situations, we're like, oh, well, I guess, you know, we're going to postpone this and we're going to have to try another, another time. No, uh-uh, uh-uh, because God is a God of miracles, it's time to stand fast and see the salvation of God. Amen? It's time to say, Lord, we need a hand grenade of grace here. We need a miracle. What do you say? God's up to that. You know why? He wants his grace flowing through you. Gifts of faith. We see it in the woman of the issue of blood. As she knew 
that if she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she'd be made whole. How do you think she knew that? It was by the Holy Spirit. She said to herself, if I touch his garment, I shall be made whole. Read it. She knew that if she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she'd be made whole. How does that happen? It happens by the Holy Spirit. That's how it happens. It's a gift of faith that you know that you know that you know. It's faith that you don't have, that God gives supernaturally. Why? Because he loves you. Not M-O-U-S-E either. G-R-A-C-E. <laughs> Amen? God's grace flowing through you. Vocal gifts. And in fact, we see them all in this one passage in 1 Corinthians 14. It says, hey, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For your prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless indeed he interprets. So there you go. All three vocal gifts. That the church may be received, edification. And so the vocal gifts are mentioned as Paul tells the church. In fact, in that passage, it says, and tongues is a sign for the unbeliever. People go, really? What? Yeah. It's a sign for the unbeliever. And prophecy is for the purpose of edifying the church. Now, a lot of things that were happening that were not supposed to be happening. In fact, look what, look what Paul says here. Because in the Corinthian church became an issue of pride. And they began competing with each other. We see it here in verse uh, 26, chapter 14. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each one of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. And you begin seeing that Paul gets annoyed because they came trying to one-up each other. And Paul said, that doesn't edify God. That isn't the reason and the purpose for the gifts. The gifts were not meant to make you feel good, to give you spiritual goosebumps. No, the gifts are made. Why? So the people can know that God loves them, that Jesus' plan for the life is life and abundant life. Amen? Father, thank you that, God, you're about allowing your mercy and your grace to be demonstrated. And, Father, we don't want to be selfish people. We don't want to be people that it's all about ourselves. And so we come right now and humble ourselves and say, Lord, we need you. We need you. We are desperate, God. Apart from you, Father, we recognize that, Lord, we are selfish. God, apart from you, Father, we recognize, God, that, Lord, our intention and our hearts are not right. But, Father, thank you that you are merciful, that you are gracious. Thank you, God, that you desire your grace to flow through us to a world that has been hampered, that has been lied to, to a world that is lost, to those that have been full of intimidation and fear, to those that have been walking in shame. But thank you, God, that your grace, your grace is sent out. God, use us. May your grace be sent out through us. Thank you, Jesus. If you desire that this morning, we just stand right where you're at. Just stand and say, Lord, I want that. I want your grace flowing through me. I'm done with selfishness. I want your grace flowing through me. Thank you, Jesus. Now just begin to lift your hand. Just begin to worship him. Just ask him for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit right now. <laughs> he wants to give it to you. In Ephesians, he tells us, but be filled with the Spirit. That verb be is a verb that means never stop 
doing this. Never stop being filled because we leak. <laughs> but it's a good thing because he wants us full to overflowing. Just lift up your hands and say, fill me right now. Fill me again in the name of Jesus. Fill me to overflowing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just begin praying in your prayer language right now. Just give him glory. Father, we're tired, God, of it being about us. God, we're tired, God, of, Lord, seeing so much junk, Father, around us. We don't want to be stagnant. God, we want to be a flowing river. We want your grace flowing through us, Father. Thank you for gifts of the Spirit that you command us to desire spiritual gifts. We do that right now. We desire to be used of you. We desire spiritual gifts. But Father, not for us, but that a lost world might come to know you. That a lost world might come to know you. That those who are hampered, God, those who are beat up, they've been lied to, they've been betrayed, they've been kicked around. But Father, you have sent us to allow your grace to flow through us, to let them know that, Father, you love them. You have a plan for their life. And God, you want to do it more than in our words. God, you want to use supernatural means. And so, Father, we say yes to you. We say yes to you. Use us for your glory. Use us for your glory. Now just thank him for that right now. Give him praise. Thank him for that. Come on, church. We need to get excited. We need to let the Holy Spirit use us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We are tired of being stagnant, God. We want to be useful for you. We want your spirit moving through us in power. God, that you may be glorified. That the name of Jesus may be lifted up. Father, thank you that, Lord, you've made us aware of enemy's plans. There is nothing new under the sun. There's nothing he does except to steal, kill, and destroy. But he is not allowed here. He is not allowed in our families. But, Father, we allow your presence to come. Lord, consume us with your presence. Consume us, Father. God, with more of you. God, you want us to be, Father, full of fire because you are an all-consuming fire. Thank you for that. Sending us a blaze for you. We say yes to you. We say yes to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you want that, just say yes to him. You hear our hearts, God. There's nothing that you do not know. You hear us. And you, we say yes. Yes, in Jesus' name.